You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Hi, I'm Holly Randall, and welcome to my podcast, Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is a show about sex, the adult industry, and the people in it. I'm a 21-year veteran of this fascinating little industry, and as the eldest child of the trailblazing erotic photographer Suze Randall, you could say I grew up in it. So forget everything you think you know about porn, because this show is going to change your mind. My guests are some of the biggest names in the industry, and we unabashedly reveal the real behind-the-scenes stories. The funny, the inspiring, the tragic, and the bizarre. Everyone has an opinion about sex work, but few people actually listen to the sex workers. So sit back and prepare yourself for a podcast, which is honest, raw, and unfiltered. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Holly Randall Unfiltered. I am so excited about my guest today, and I know a lot of you have been requesting her, so I know that you are also excited that she is here today. She started in the industry when she was 18 and then went on hiatus for eight months later in 2016. She has now returned to performing and recently caused a major wave by writing a Twitter thread about abuse in the industry and just basically calling out a bunch of abusers, and the response has been pretty, pretty intense. And, um, I think ultimately is leading us to a more positive place. So let's welcome the beautiful and the very outspoken Leah Gotti. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing good. Doing really good. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. I feel like it was, so Leah and I actually shot together on Tuesday. So that was like, I feel like that was nice because we shot together once before, but that was like on a twisty shoe. Yeah, so we didn't really get to hang out as No, much. we didn't like, get to hang out. This was way more fun. Like, yeah. To create and just like watch you do all of your magic. And you too. The the You can catch grapes in your mouth, which was very impressive. Hey, it took me like a few tries, but I eventually got it. You know what? You didn't <laughs> give up. And that's the most important thing. I never give up. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. Um, let's start about you getting into the industry and yeah. getting in at 18 and how was that for you? Getting in at 18, it was really kind of just like a spontaneous decision. Um, at first I was just like hosting parties and then I just stumbled into like hosting an after party for Exotica and ended up winning Miss Exotica and then, you know, lots of people offering me things. And so did you start off like modeling then? No. So I was like a club promoter. So okay. I like hosted parties, like danced on speakers, you know, like okay. sold tickets to like concerts and stuff like that. So I was just really deep into the nightlife in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So um, just a little tiny, cute 18-year-old, you know, I would host like little after parties. I was just in with the DJs and with the go-go girls. So I just was, I don't know, they're like little girl just falling around. Mm-hmm. And the owner of the Crown Plaza, he really loved me, and he wanted me to, like, help them host an after party. And kind of just, like, threw me in. Like, we went to the convention to, like, promote the party. And um, the girls, like, we were dressed really provocatively. And some girls, like, as a joke, put me and my friends in the finals round. I think, I don't know if they were trying to, like, be, like, a little mean about it. Like, it was not supposed to end up how it happened, right? So... 
like I went all out. I crowd surfed. I won. And I didn't even do the preliminary rounds, you know, so it was pretty cool. And then I met like the disgusting Ron Jeremy. Oh yes, Ron <laughs> he Jeremy. He is uh Oh my god. He's very interesting. Yeah. So actually the first time I ever had met um a trans model and I was in the bathroom and I was like, You're so hot. And she's like, you want to see my dick? And I thought she was joking. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't joking. Wow. And I was like, wow, like really taken aback. But it was like something like I'd never seen before, never experienced. And yeah. Even went to a party after that party. And I was actually crying because like we got there, people were hanging out. And then I went to the bathroom. I came out of the bathroom and all of a sudden everybody's like having sex. And I was so overwhelmed. Like, I started crying. I was like, I didn't know if, like, people were going to, like, expect me to do anything. You know what I mean? And everyone was like, it's okay. It's okay. Like, they took me on the balcony, like, gave me a blunt. And they're like, you don't have to do anything. And I was like, oh, thank God. How long were you in the bathroom for? Not that long. <laughs> well, maybe I was in there for too long because, like, it. I just came out and, like, it was just wild. Like, yeah. I was just like, what? what is happening? Like, I didn't know what to I've, expect. I've walked into an accidental <laughs> swingers party before and been like, oh, this is not what I thought was happening here. I'm Literally. just going to, like, <laughs> see myself out. Thank you. Yeah. It was crazy. But I was still in college at the time. Mm-hmm. So I was still, like, wrestling. I was, like in school doing my thing and then like the offer came to do solo porn and I asked the person I was with at the time like if they thought that was cool and they were like sure yeah you should do it and so I flew to Arizona and I shot with FTV girls it's like really awkward first time yeah they do a lot of public nudity how was yeah it was just me and him and he kept wanting me to do like stuff and he like was recording me like talking on the phone to my mom like real really in like real time I don't know I didn't really have any clue of like what was supposed to be like expected of me yeah I think he likes to really because it's your first time so he's trying to really get that authentic experience dude like really we had done some stuff on the golf course and he had got sent a letter from that town like saying like you got to delete that shit. You know what I mean? Um, but it's still all out there. Thank God, like, I didn't get in trouble. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That that public nudity stuff very risky. Yeah, you I would never do it ever again. Like, I had went back and shot with him a few times. And, uh, yeah, my last few times with that company were not that great. <laughs> yeah. I, I left. Like, I, in the middle, I was like, I need to be taken to the airport immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Was what what was not so great about it? So actually, my agent had sent me there after I started doing Boy Girl Right. And he was like, oh, well, he wants to shoot a boy girl with you. Well, midway through the scene, like, I looked up and he was not even recording me. It was like he was fucking me for his own, like, enjoyment. enjoyment. He was like, if I bring a camera, then. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it was in his house. You know, like, mm-hmm. so we're up in, like, this mansion in a gated community. Like, it's just me and him. Big ass fucking house. And I am, like, making up excuses, like, oh, you're hurting me. And he's like, oh, you've taken bigger dick than this before. You know what I mean? And I was like, no, like, I need to stop now. And, like, called John. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I called my agent, who was John Stevens at the time. I'm just going to say it anyways. People know. Yeah. But um, he was like, yeah, you can leave. And I was like, he needs to take me to the airport. He got me a flight. He got me out of there. But, like, the car ride there to the airport was so uncomfortable. Like, he was, like, trying to, like, be rude to me and, like, you're being dramatic, blah, blah, blah. But as you know, like, I'm not the type of person to, like, try and make do things. So I'm very aggressive if I feel like I need to be. 
Really? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, bitch, fuck you. Like, take me to the airport now. Like, you don't want to fuck with me. Like, I'm not playing. Like, blah, blah, blah. You know? He's probably not used to encountering that. No. I'm pretty sure he's very used to, like, uh, complicit girls. People mm-hmm. who I think a lot of people in the industry are. Right? I think also, too, especially when you first start. Because it's first time video girls, right? Right. It's, you don't know what to expect and exactly. you don't know. And, and it's hard to set boundaries, especially when you're young. Dude, and I had like went through a lot with my dad growing up. Like my person who was acting as my father like had me like stripping for him and like taking pictures of me and stuff. So I had like an extra sense I feel like when I know like something's dangerous. Right? That so, is rough. Yeah, it was fucking horrible. And like so I think that is why I am so like – Fuck you. Like, you're not going to take advantage of me. Like, I won't let that happen. Like, yeah. So interesting because it can go either way, right? It right. It can go the opposite way. Like, where... fight or you're going to freeze. Right. Type of thing. When did you realize that you could fight back against him? Like, when I was 17, I actually got in trouble because I wasn't going to unlock my phone. So, like, I was refusing to unlock my phone for hours. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, like, hitting me and doing all this shit to try and make me unlock it. And I had sent my passwords underneath my sister's door so she could, like, log in and just make sure everything was kosher, right? Mm -hmm. So eventually my dad got into my phone, and then he was like, there's nothing even in there. And at that point, I was just pissed off, and I was like, well, I'm not a virgin. And I just said it. And he, like, grabbed me by my throat, like, started going crazy. And, like, I was, like, on punishment for, like, a day. And there was no school the next day because it was, like, some holiday and um, then the day that we went back to school on Tuesday, I went to the counselor's office and I was like, hey, like, this is happening. I want to call my grandma. I want to get out of the school. I want to leave, you know. And so my grandma came and got me. And, like, right as we were getting my stuff, like, out of my dad's house, it was, like, just, as, like, as much stuff as I could grab. He's, like, pulling up and we're, like, driving off. And, like, that was, like, the time where I was, like, like, I'm never coming back. So I never went back. Um, but, like, he wouldn't let me talk to my sisters. Like, I was, like, the contact with my sisters was, like, cut off. So it's kind of like. I- so they didn't live in the same house as you. No, they did. But I left and moved in with my grandparents. Oh, after that. And you right. said he wasn't your real father. No. So I don't even know my real dad. Okay. Um, my mom married him whenever I was, like, six months old. Okay. And then whenever I was, like, seven or eight, my mom got really bad on drugs. So she was, like, out of my life. And it was, like, her mom and him were raising us half and half. Mm-hmm. And we were supposed to stay that way, but my grandma was, like, really sick with cancer. And my dad decided to, like, move us, like, an hour away. So then it was just always with him. Mm-hmm. And I had a stepmom. She was, like, only 12 years older than me. I even remember, like, in eighth grade, I told her, I was like, hey, I'm scared of dad. Like, I think he's taking pictures of me. Like, when I'm bending over, I hear clicks. You know, like, I don't know what I expected her to do for me, but she didn't do anything well. Like, as soon as he got home, she told him what I said. I was getting in trouble for that. You know, so it's just like, okay, I just got to be quiet. And then just kept progressively got more and more intense, like where he was like having me drink alcohol, you know, having me give him lap dances. Like if I wanted to like go somewhere, like I'd have to, it would be like, well, what are you going to do for me type of thing? And then, yeah, like, I don't know. I let it happen for a long time. And the fucked up thing is, is like, he didn't really give me and my sister's attention. Right. So I kind of like liked it for a long time. No, it makes sense though. You know, Yeah, like Like, I didn't think anything was 
like I knew something was weird, but in my head I was like, oh, well, maybe it's not that bad. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, Well, that's all you know. I mean, right. when you're that young, what you learn about the world, you learn from the people who are raising you. Right. So it's almost like he groomed me into doing those things. Yeah. And then whenever I told my stepmom about stuff that was happening, it was more like, well, you don't need to wear short shorts around the house. You don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. So she's like victim blaming. Yeah. And she's still with him, actually. <sighs> and like my my acting father told everyone in my family that I was lying and like in order to talk to my sisters I had to say I was lying so I eventually did say hey I made this up you know and then I told my sisters like at a barbecue at our family's house like I wasn't lying and they really didn't believe me like me and my sisters don't have a good relationship because so the same things did not happen to them so it didn't happen the same way um but my youngest sister which is his blood daughter um, one night when he was drunk, he did like lay on top of her while she was sleeping and like dry hump her, uh, multiple times. And she was just like pretending like to wake up, you know, and he had done that same thing to me whenever I was like se- seventh or sixth grade. And I woke up and I was like, dad, and he's like, Oh, I thought you were his wife's name and like ran into the other room. And it was just like never talked about. Um, but Yeah. My sisters still are, like, in a weird place where, like, they want to—they don't know if they want to have a relationship with him. Like, they just want him to admit what he's done. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, yeah, uh, she's giving me lap dances, but that's all he'll admit to. Like, he won't admit to, like, the other things. And I'm like, well, what more really does there need to be, like, admitted for you to understand, like, hello? Like, the things that I'm saying, I didn't make up. Like, why the fuck would I make that shit up? I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's crazy, but it's, it's all right. It's got to be hard for you, too, being a mom now. Oh, dude. You know, can you imagine, like, your children going through that? I think- like, it, at the, I feel like when we become parents, like, the things that we experience in our childhood become all that more, like, relevant and traumatizing in a way because, like, we imagine – the possibility of, like, our children experiencing yeah, that, which it makes is horrifying. My mom and I – I can't talk to my mom, like, my blood mom. Um, like, I see her face and I, like, get triggered with, like, PTSD because it's, like, she knew – well, she knows all the stuff that's happened, right? And she's, like – she does – I don't know if she still does drugs, but she struggled with addiction for a long time. Yeah. And she doesn't ever want to, like, sincerely apologize. Like, she just physically fist fought me, like, less than two years ago. Like – on some crazy shit. So it's like she 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 hates me is what it feels like. Like the person that she wants to like blame everything for is me, right? But I've always wanted my mom to like just love me. Like I feel like I've always wanted just my parents. But I've never had my parents. So I've always felt like extra. So like whenever I look at my kids and I see like the minimal effort that my mom has given me my entire life, I hate her. Like just to look at her. I just say even like when I hear my sisters like in how my mom treats them, you know, I'm like, how the fuck like do you continue to be treating them this way? Why are you so like cold? How can you have no compassion for the things that we experience? She's more so like, I was struggling, I was sick, like woe is me. I'm like, mm-hmm. bitch, hello, you had three daughters that you just fucking left with a monster. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's like no remorse. Like there's no I've asked her, like, multiple times, like, can we go to therapy? Can we do this? Like, hey, can we practice having conversations this way, you know? But it never will, like, never will be that. Like, she she always uses me, like, for her lies. And, like, if I tell someone, like, that's not true, you know what I mean? She's the type of person to be like, no, she's the liar. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. Like, she she's willing to, like, ring me out before she'd ever, like, admit her wrongs. Which, like, my therapist was like, she probably has some kind of, like, 
personality disorder or something like that. Yeah. But she doesn't have, like, she doesn't get medical help. She doesn't seek help. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, she feels perfectly fine the way she is. Yeah. So I think, like, I had to cut off communication. Yeah. Like, with my sisters and with my mom because they don't understand. My sisters are still a little younger than me. So I think that maybe, like, when they mature and they start to go through their own self-exploration and stuff, they'll still start to understand me. Or maybe they won't. Yeah. But, like, I just... I couldn't keep putting myself, like, back in those places. Like, it's yeah. hard to stay present and, like, just make new memories because those are just constantly flooding, like, my mind. You yeah. Know? Well, and also, too, you know, the the good thing about getting older is that we get to then choose our own families, you know? Yeah. And you have your own family now. Yeah. So you get to, like, make that the priority. Your world. Yeah, yeah, it is. And I think I was feeling guilty a long time for that. Yeah. It's like, oh... Like, I don't have anybody, you know, like, I need them in my life, you know, but I mm-hmm. don't, mm-hmm. especially if they're going to hurt me and talk to me in certain ways. So I don't want my daughters seeing that. Like, yeah. I don't want my daughters thinking that sisters should be, like, the way me and my sisters are. Yeah. Like, we weren't ever taught how to communicate or process things. Mm-hmm. So it's just super unhealthy. Like, yeah. cussing each other out all the time, like, really attacking each other's characters. Like, it's never like a how are you doing, like, type of conversations. Like, will you send me money? Will you do this? You know, type of thing. So, I'm sorry. It's all good, you it know. It breaks my heart. It's okay because I'm, I'm, I'm learning, you know. Slowly yeah. but surely I am finding, like, my own little people. Yeah. And I've I've picked and choose, like, who of my blood family that I can continue to talk with. Like, even with my grandma. Like, she's been the person who raised me. Like, just having conversations with, like, hey, please don't talk to me about mom. Like, don't. Please don't bring up anything. Like, if, if you're uncomfortable with something, let me know. But I'd like the the, the availability to talk to you about what I'm working with, mm-hmm. you know. And she's been really cool lately. So yeah. it's been awesome. We took one hell of a fucking tangent. <laughs> I was like, initially, I think I was trying to ask you how you got into porn. And then, woo, we got deep, we got deep on it. your family stuff. <laughs> Um, but I'm glad that you feel like you can be open about that because I feel like there's probably a lot of people who can relate. Dude, you know, families real. are hard. They are. So um, let's move on to an easier topic. How did you get into porn? <laughs> yeah, like I said, I shot with FTV girls. <gasps> mm-hmm. And then I just met my agent with Matrix Models. And I was still going to school. And one day I was just like, okay enough here. I mm-hmm. left my car. I left my dorm room and just took a suitcase and came to California. Yeah. So what was your, what was your first like sex scene? Cause I know you did a solo scene first. So what was the first actual sex scene? First that you sex did? scene. I really don't even know. Was it a girl or boy? Do you remember if it was girl, girl or boy, girl? I first? did a lot of solo work and then I did girl, girl. And I think my first girl girl was with Reality Kings with Valentina Nappy. Nappy? Uh, yeah, yeah, Nappy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And no. it was, like, so hot. Like, yeah, she's great. She's fucking sexy. Yeah, she is. That Italian um, accent. So passionate. <clears throat> and I remember her talking to me about how, like, her partner, like, is a chef and they, like, love food and all this stuff. It was really comfortable. We were at, like, this beautiful house in Malibu. You could see, like, dolphins jumping. Um yeah, I felt sexy. It was hot. It was just, we were just wearing jeans and, like, long sleeve shirts with, like, teabag thongs in front of a fireplace. Yeah, it was really hot lesbian sex. Do you remember who you were shooting for? It was Reality Kings, I think. Oh, yeah, you just said that. Sorry. It's okay. Missed that part somehow. <laughs> My titties are sweating underneath. 
We're it, talking about all that. <laughs> it gets hot in here too, and I'm not allowed to control the air conditioning either. <laughs> um, so now you got out of the industry um, for a while and you took a hiatus. Why did you leave and then why did you come back? So whenever I left, um, I basically it was after I had like got hurt by like somebody I was dating that was in the industry. And I kind of like started like getting super anxiety, something like that, that I've never felt before, like crippling to where like I couldn't I couldn't work basically. Like anytime I'd be somewhere, I'd be just scared. So I wanted to like just stay with like my friends, and like I was just doing Molly and just partying, and I got like I just wasn't working, and like even my agent was like, I feel like you're not in it anymore, and I was just like, yeah, I am, but I really wasn't. Like after that conversation, that same day, I literally got all my things um, in the car and went back to Texas Mm -hmm. and just started trying to do like normal things. Like I was working at the golf course, like just in banquets and stuff like that, Um, but I was working with people that went to school with me. So, like, people knew, like, what was happening. I was also going to ask you, so did you encounter people who knew that you had worked in porn? And did that, like, affect you trying to, like, assimilate into, like, regular life? It did. um, But the person who got me the job was my cross-country coach. And she's always loved me and always, like, just took me under her wing because she knew, like, my situations and Mm -hmm. stuff. So nobody really fucked with me at um, the golf course. I just really went through, like, a bad thing mentally. Like, I threw myself out of a moving car, like, one day, night after work because I was just fucking upset. And so, like, right after that, like, I kind of, like, I told my grandma and my mom, like, I was like, I need, like, some help. Mm-hmm. So I went to the hospital. But I didn't think that they – I didn't know that they were going to, like, try and keep me. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't keep me because my grandma signed, like, a paper saying, like, if I did anything that hurt someone else – like, I wasn't suicidal. I was, like, more so, like, whoever's annoying me, I'd rather kill them and just move on with my life <laughs> type of energy. Um, uh-huh. <clears throat> but, yeah, nothing happened. I just, I don't know. I, I, I kept just going through it mentally. And yeah. eventually I ended up getting pregnant and, like, moving with him. And it was really abusive, like, I didn't have my own phone. I wasn't allowed, like, I didn't get to work really, you know. I never, like, did anything by myself. He was super abusive, like, to me, like, in front of his family, and, like, nobody would say anything. So, like, I just started thinking, like, all of my relationships were like that pretty much, except for one, like, when I was in college before I started. It was not like that, but all the ones after I started porn were abusive, So I was kind of, like, in a point where, like, I was not fighting back anymore. I was just kind of, like, letting it happen. Um, And then after I had my daughter, my first daughter, I was working at a tanning salon. And I was just confiding in one of my friends and telling her about some of the things that was, like, going on. I think I told her, like, oh, he threw a plate of spaghetti in my face, like, you know. And she was just like, like, what? And I was like, oh, that no, that's nothing. Like, worse stuff happens, believe me. And she's like, no, like, that shouldn't be happening. And that kind of, like, woke me up, right? So you, like, didn't even realize while you're yeah, dealing like, with oh, this he's, abuse. He's not punching me right now, you know what I mean? Like, he's just lashing out at me. Mm-hmm. Like, that it could be way worse, you know, because I was thinking about, like, what happened to me. Bef- when I was still in porn, you know, I was like, at least it's not like that. Right, you know what I right. mean? Um, but it progressed to that. Like, it mm-hmm. progressed to, like, 
I wasn't allowed to talk when I was in public, like getting punched in the face in broad daylight. And like, you know, like when you're around people and it happens and then nobody says anything, it's kind of like, okay, well, maybe I'm just being dramatic, you know? That's that's gaslighting in the extreme. Yeah, so that's kind of like how my mind was working. Um, But eventually I started like putting money away in a jacket. Like I, I just was, I don't know. I don't. I didn't think I was ever gonna leave per se. I just was putting it there so I could have it in case something bad happened. It sounds like there was a part of you that was yeah. Like I, to, I tried to, to leave. I left three <clears throat> times before I finally left. Yeah. But every time, like he talked me back into coming back. Yeah. And then like one day I was about to go to work and it it just hit the fan and I was like, it's just time to go. Yeah. You know? And I just left. And thankfully I had that money. You know? Yeah. Um. But it was really crazy. Like, yeah. that's whenever I was with him, I was went on that cho- talk show for the Christians. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So tell us a little bit about that. So in that time, I was actually going to church with his mom, mm-hmm. um, Seventh-day Adventist church. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, he made me dress, like, super modestly. Like, he would call me, like, a dirty whore, like, all the time. Like, I hated myself. Like... I was even, like, hallucinating sometimes. Like, whenever I look in the mirror, it would be, like, a different face. And, like, I just didn't – I don't know. I was just, like – I was going to church a lot. And then one day I was walking into his mom's room before church, and I heard her and her sister on the phone talking, saying, just don't bring her, you know. And it hurt my feelings a lot. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but why? And she wouldn't tell me, and then she finally told me, And I guess, like, some teenage boys at the church had recognized me and, like, they were... From the porn that you did Yeah, passing that around in youth group, and they just didn't want me coming anymore. So I was like, I'm not even doing anything. Like, I'm a good person. Like, okay, so then I, like, the show was looking for stories, and I reached out, and I was like, I have a story, like... Just because I did this, I'm not a bad person. Of course, they edited it, like, and took out big chunks, like, of things that we were talking about Mm -hmm. and made it look a lot, like, more like I was slamming the industry. Mm -hmm. But, like, I wasn't talking bad about the industry at all. I was talking about what I experienced while I was Mm -hmm. in the industry. Right. Like, the the stuff that was happening to me, like, wasn't on set. The Mm -hmm. stuff that was happening to me was, like, when I was off set because of the people that I was, like, running around with Mm -hmm. and how that, like made me feel like nothing basically right and like how I was going to my Christian school like when I was in college and when they found out that I was doing it like how I was being shunned and like how every time I like tried to come back into the church I was basically being rejected or like made to feel like I didn't belong there so my goal with that was to make people see that I am just a normal person like just because I did that like just because I did porn like doesn't mean that I'm not a good person Mm mm-hmm but yeah, that's like the, one of the most frustrating things to me because I've heard stories like this before. You know, there's so many. I mean, we see these comments all the time like, go get a real job, get out of porn, it's ruining your life. And then some people leave porn because it's not suited for them or whatever their reasons are. And then they try to get a real job or they try to, you know, go back to church or whatever it is. And then they get rejected from these places that they're supposed to, like, I mean, I would just say I've. I'm not religious at all. I've never been to church, but I assume that that's a place that's supposed to be accepting and welcoming and like embrace you. Yeah, they don't. 
which like I mean, where are you supposed to go if like you're you don't have family? Yeah, and like I thought the whole like thing about Jesus is that like he forgives (laughs) you and like you commit you admit your sins and then he's like welcome home, child. Like what I've realized is like (laughs) that's all basically like a facade people put on. I'm sure there's good churches places, right? But religion is just not a thing for me. I yeah. feel like I believe in unity and, like, people being one and just spending, like, love and light and, like, making choices that would never hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. Just trying to be, like, the best you can be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I grew up Southern Baptist. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, I've read the Bible a lot. And, like, I always felt guilty. Like, even when I was younger. Like, if I were to, like, have told a lie, I would get sick and cry. I'd, like, wake my dad up and tell him the truth. You know what I mean? Or, like... Um, if I'm talking to, even now, like if I'm talking to my husband and I say something stupid, like, yeah. And my friend even said that. And if, if it wasn't true, like a few minutes later, I'll be like, I don't know why I said that. I'm sorry that I like, that wasn't true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I still get that impeding guilt. Yeah. I feel like that's what happened to me with religion. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go to hell. Like anytime I'd cuss or masturbate, I would cry after and pray to God and be like, I'm sorry. Like I won't do it anymore. Like, please like forgive me, you know? So you don't believe in – do you believe in God at all? I don't believe in God. I believe, like, I am a God. Like, I believe that, like, I, you, anyone around us are yeah. our own creators, right? Like, right. nobody can see the world how we see. Right. I think that we're all unified and we're here for a purpose together, but I don't think I believe in, like, Jesus. I like the idea of, I mean, whatever, like, your definition of what God is, and it means different things to different people. Um, but I like the idea of God speaks to you through other people. Your experiences and what you see. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe those lessons are the, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's how I think. The word universe to me is like more palatable than the word God. I mean, I was raised an atheist, so I was like the complete opposite of you. Right. But, um, the word God makes me like kind of uncomfortable simply because I was raised by like a father who was like, like even when I try and like pray, this is not real praying now. Like, you know, like some people are like in Jesus name, we pray. Like, I don't think I'm praying to somebody. I'm like just talking to myself. I'm like, yeah. I just want to have like more patience with my kids. I want to be calm. I want to embrace my femininity, but still be mm-hmm. masculine, you know, like talk to my grandpa if he can hear me, you know, like type of thing. But I think, like, my prayer, even meditation has been, like, completely shifted within, like, the last two years. Yeah. There's something about putting out, like, a certain – I think I can – I definitely feel that people put out energy, and that is real, even though we can't see it or, like, hear it yeah. or anything like that. And I think that the energy that you put out, people feel it. And so doing stuff like praying and meditating and stuff shifts, like, your personal energy, and I think that that – people pick up on that 100%. Yeah, I agree. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about um, what's happening now in the industry and so much more. So stick around. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Beducated. We all want to be able to please our partner. And judging from the amount of messages I get from so many of my listeners, a lot of you aren't sure exactly how to do it. Well, now there's a place where you can literally take an online course on how to be a better lover. It's called Beducated, and they offer over 100 online courses curated by the world's top experts. Whatever your sexual preference, there is a course for you. Maybe you need to start at the beginning and work on your own sexual confidence. Yes, there is a course for that. 
where you can address your own poor body image and harness the power of unlearning those deep, indoctrinated feelings of shame. Or maybe you want to venture into something new and exciting, like their Yoni massage course. This is just the start of all the valuable information that awaits you on Beducated. And right now, you can try all Beducated courses for one day for free. You won't get charged for the first 24 hours, and you can cancel anytime. Plus, for the month of May, you can save up to 50% off if you use my coupon code HOLLY. So go to Beducate.com to learn more, but don't forget to use my code HOLLY for your special offer. Or better yet, click on the link in the episode description. Start your personal journey to sexual fulfillment with Beducated. This episode of Holly Randall Unfiltered is sponsored by Blue Chew, a low-cost online subscription service that delivers chewable tablets with the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. I know what you're thinking, another erectile dysfunction prescription ad, but hear me out because Blue Chew is different. It's convenient, affordable, and best of all, discreet. With Blue Chew, you can get the help you need without having to go to the doctor. Just visit their website, fill out a quick questionnaire, and a licensed medical provider will evaluate your case. And if they determine that it's right for you, your prescription of Blue Chew tablets will be delivered right to your door. And because Blue Chew is a subscription service, you can treat your ED problem right from the comfort of your own home without anyone having to know about it. And here's a special deal just for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code HOLLY at checkout. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HOLLY to receive your first month for free. So don't let your struggles in the bedroom get you down. Let Blue Chew back you up and keep you going stronger, longer. Your erection will thank you. All right, guys, we are back. So Leah, let's talk about let's talk about the Twitter thread. Yeah. Um, that kind of catapulted you into a lot of conversations happening right now. Yes. So let's talk about what prompted you to write that tweet, maybe kind of what it was about, because I know it's not there anymore, and then why you ended up deleting it. Yeah. So originally, I just woke up, <laughs> and I was just scrolling through IG, and I seen two really big influential profiles right now in the industry posting on Women's Day with my abuser. And I was just like, are you fucking me right now? <laughs> like, this has got to be a joke. Yeah. Especially because one of the companies, I mean, one of the persons was a company who of which I was contracted through all three of their sites when they first began mm-hmm. for interracial and for anal and for mm-hmm. just boy girl so they knew what had happened to me you mm-hmm. know and it was back when the old person who originally started it like was running it and they like he had promised me like oh no like I feel like a lot of companies except for two companies told me that they would not work with him ever again mm-hmm. and I think like whenever I took my hiatus oh they're like oh she's gone basically like who cares, right? right. And um, so I just was like, I'm going to post it. Because back in the day, I didn't really talk about it that much. I just kind of like, I was embarrassed. Um, and I was afraid, like, of what would happen to me, like, if I yeah. did say something. Because I didn't know about it. Yeah. So I just was like, all right, well, then I'll post my federal restraining order, my state restraining order. I'll post, like, the document saying that he went to jail for 186 days. I'm going to tell them people, like, what he did to me, what he did to me on multiple occasions. You know what I mean? The situations he put me into. And maybe somebody will listen, right? Um, One of the persons who posted him uh, removed him from her post 
and apologized to me. It was like, I just didn't know, which I know she was new, so there's no way she probably would have known that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But my abuser last year had just beat up another girl, and Mia Moore. And she posted, like, her face. You know what I mean? She deleted it quickly, but people know. Like, he had abused multiple girls before me. Um, His agency knew about that, like, I had spoke to his agent when he was in jail and was like, what the fuck? And she was like, yeah, he's done it to this girl and this girl, you know, I thought he was better. And I'm like, why are you still giving him this clout, you know, keeping him relevant? You know, Um, I reached out to that company and I was like, why are you doing this? And their response to me was basically along the lines of, we were under the assumption that you and him were fighting each other. I was like, are you serious right now? Where did you get that assumption? You know what I mean? And, um, yeah, it was basically just like, fuck you. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to still work with him. Well, they said we're not going to work with him anymore, but we have a catalog of things that are still going to roll out with him mm-hmm. is what they said to me. Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, okay. And then some girls, like, were starting to talk to me um, in my DMs, like, oh, I experienced this and this with him, and I also experienced this with this company. And I was like, wait a second. Like, if it's – because it had been, like, six girls at that point telling me, like, things that had happened. So I was like, all right, well, then I'm just going to post a thread. Like, on Women's Day, if you want to talk about abuse, like, put it below so people can be aware. Um, Nobody was really saying anything. So I was like, if you want me to post it for you, send it to me, and I'll post for you anonymously. And then boom, like DM after DM after DM. And I was literally sitting there for like 12 hours a day, like going through what the people were saying and taking out I and me and changing it to she, he, you know, they, Mm -hmm. you know, was really consuming me. Like I couldn't sleep. Like my husband was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, it has to be done. Like. This is insane. Like, if people know that this is happening, stuff is happening on set. People are getting put with monsters, and they think they're okay because of the people that are, you know, basically praising them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Something has to change. So I I was doing it, and then, like, I don't know. I guess some people were starting to, like, lie. You know? Yeah, unfortunately, you're always going to get that. And right? I said... Not if, everybody's truthful. Right. And is... I I told the people, if you think you're being lied on, send me the proof that they're lying. And I'll delete it. And some people were sending me proof that the people were lying. You know, videos yeah. and things like that. And I spoke to a few lawyers and they are like, yeah, just put allegedly in front of it and you should be good. And then uh, I started getting like cease and desist and like, what's your address? Like, where do you live? I'm like... Fuck you. I'm not going to give you my address. Like, if you want to sue me, pay for an investigator to find my shit, you know, type of energy. But then I started getting threats. And then I started getting, like, more things, like, from people, from, like, accounts with, like, no followers, no faces. Just, like, the stuff that was being said. I was like, am I putting my family in danger? Yeah. It's like, at what point, like, are you supposed to be the person responsible for everybody else's trauma? And it's, like, it's that hard line to walk, right, between wanting to help people like, you know, talk about the abuse that they've encountered and to out people who are abusers. And then like, how much of that do you have to consume and deal with? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, 
I was crying, like, a lot. Because, like, the stuff I was reading was just, like, beyond imagination. Yeah. And I'm a very empathetic person. And I get angry, too. Like, when I feel like um, if people are being complacent to abuse and, like, continuing to allow it to happen. Because yeah. it's like, do you not understand, like, how, like, detrimental this can be to somebody? Yeah. Mentally and physically. And I was really angry. But I was just in the bathroom, like, on the ground crying. And my husband was like, I think you should just delete it. Like, he's like, two million people have seen it. You know what I mean? Like, people people hear you, you know, just delete it. You can't do this anymore. And I was just like, I can. Like, I, I can do it. Like, I'm not scared of these people, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, it's not that you're weak. It doesn't make you weak because of this. Like, but you have to put yourself first. And your family, too, because it's not yeah. just about you anymore now yeah, that you're a mother. Yeah, it's like this is affecting you yeah. daily. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you can't be sad and be a good mom, you know what I mean? No, you can be sad and be a good mom, but the way he was saying it, you know, made sense. Yeah, of course. And so I deleted it. And then, like, people like you and other people were, like, reaching out, like, saying how, you know, this threat has made them, like, reflect on things that maybe they have done and, like, what could they make better? And... Basically, I just started doing podcasts trying to talk about it in hopes that, like, okay, I don't have to necessarily call out everybody, but at least maybe I can call out the behaviors and recommend things to change those things. Mm -hmm. And I think people, like, even, like, Mind, uh, I think it was MindGeek, like, released a a statement, like, like, they don't even, they're not going to be allowing camera offset, like, I mean, you know, off-camera sex. Like, when they say cut, it's cut. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like some people might not be able to say, oh, I'm not okay with this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've definitely heard stories from girls who, like, you know, guys come into the shower, like, after they've done the scene and try to, like, fuck them again. And they're like, we're done. Like, we're not. I had so you, many of those. You know, and like, or like in between. Yeah. And just. The tr- girls, like, even <clears throat> like, yeah, on some of these big ass sets where they have like 40 to 50 crew members, you know, and their P- PAs are like, shit they're just down there just eating food they're not with the model you know what I mean like the girl just finished makeup and there's nobody upstairs and then they're in the bathroom cleaning up and then boom Mm -hmm. the talent's just like forcing themselves on them um or like when they express like their nose like some directors like trying to get them to get anal for free and like even like I've been like on set recently for a girl girl and they came up there during hair makeup and they're like are y'all cool with butt stuff? And the girl was like, yeah. And I was like, are you going to pay my anal rate? Mm-hmm. And of course they're saying no. And I like looked at the girl and she's y- younger. And I'm just like, never say yes to that. Yeah. Come to find out that same company was shooting with another girl. And she posted in her close friends, like, they want me to do anal, but do I ask for more money? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, they're just trying to take advantage of you, like not having any experience. Like, they think they can get away with this shit. That's how they're always operating. Like, mm-hmm. not everybody does that, but most companies are doing that sleazy ass, slimy shit still. Yeah. In 2023. Yeah. Are we talking about like smaller companies no. or like some of the bigger, the bigger the brands? The biggest company. The biggest company with the most wins at Avian last year. Like, huge companies that people like would basically die to shoot with because they mm-hmm. think that it's going to make them like a star mm-hmm. forever. Mm hmm. I think I know who you mean, but I'll I'll find out after the podcast. Yeah, you know who it is. <laughs> yeah, I think I do. That's 
yeah, I mean, I'm so like in a bubble, you know, because I only run my own sets and I've only worked for one company for like the last it's like 12 hour day like they try to keep you on set for like 12 hours and they don't want to pay you anything extra than your rate yeah i was even shooting with this company and i expressed to them before i got there um i'm not staying longer than 10 hours so if you want me there i'm leaving yeah we're getting around right and i'm like i have 10 more minutes like i'm leaving you know what i mean and they are like we have to rush through this blah, blah 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 i'm like i don't care like, if you're not going to pay me more, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be here for 12 hours, like, away from my family, not getting paid extra when I could go on a set, another set for, like, four to five hours and make the same money. Yeah. Like, I don't care about your clout. I don't care about your views. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll get them by myself. No, I mean, honestly, as a producer, like, I'm so with you on that because I've done, like, ridiculously long hours for companies and they – same thing, like, I'm not getting paid more money either. No one in the crew is getting paid like, more money. let's get a macro shot. Let's get this it's promo all shot. Like, let's get all this <clears throat> shit and then cramming it in for, like, the least amount of money. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and there are definitely some directors and producers who run really inefficient sets, so they take a long time because they're, like, very bad at planning things out. But I was, like, I tried to be really meticulous about that and make sure that, like, everything was – going a certain way and that we shot things in an order that make the most sense for people and had people on set for the least amount of time. But like looking back now, and it honestly wasn't until after I had a child and I became, I began to value my time more. And this yeah. is probably what happened to you too. Exactly. After I had a kid, I was like, oh. I'm missing out on things. Yeah. My career is actually now not the most important thing to me anymore raising this baby is and not missing her childhood is and it totally changed my perspective and And people told me away is worth more exactly exactly and i don't want to like before when i went on maternity leave i was like yeah yeah yeah. after maternity leave i'll come back like in three months (laughs) and i'll be like same as i was before same amount of days hours like i'll do it and then after i had the kid i was like no actually i changed my mind and yeah i just you know these these crazy long days it's revolutionary, honestly. that that's that a lot of these brands were pushing and not paying anybody more money. I mean, there was a certain company that I worked for that I was doing feature movies for them, and they gave me such a small budget that I had to shoot like a four scene movie in like two days with dialogue and all this stuff. And like those days ended up being like eighteen hours, and that's with me busting my ass, like Hell trying no. to make it as smooth as possible. And it ended up costing, I ended up taking home less money because I, you know, they wouldn't cover like breakfast or dinner for my crew. It would only cover, I had to pay out of pocket because it's like, dude, I'm working these people so hard. Like it's just bullshit. And I was, I felt angry for myself, but also like for my crew, you know, like that's not fair to make them shoot those long days. And then the next day they have to go, shoot again and like get up early millions of dollars off their side yeah like they have the money yeah to do it they're just being greedy and selfish yeah and it's kind of like you remember like back in the day like models were getting paid hella money to be in magazines yeah and now it's switched girls are paying thousands of dollars to be in the magazines yeah, there's certain like Playboy um, editions. I think like in Europe, like a Playboy. Yeah, Shark people are paying I or something. You have to pay five to eight to get published. Like I had some people reach out to me. And they're like, "Oh, you want to shoot? You can get a cover." I'm like, "Awesome!" They're like, "Oh, it's gonna be five thousand dollars." 
bitch, I don't have that. I have two kids. I have a retirement that I'm trying to pay for. I do. I have to pay $1,200 a month in insurance. Like, I have, like, things. I'm trying to buy a house. Like, the fuck do I look like yeah. paying you to be in a magazine that you're going to be selling of my body? Yeah. Like, are you fucking me right now? It's crazy. This is the same thing, like, before I came back and started shooting, right, I was just doing my OnlyFans, and it was no solo masturbation or anything. It's just titty pictures, and stuff like that while I was figuring out what I was comfortable with doing. Because mm-hmm. I, I was like, I don't know if I can be, like, in, I'm telling you, like, my mental was so fucked. Like, I yeah. didn't think people would think I was a good mom. Like, I didn't think that I would be worthy. Like, I was afraid I was going to, you know, whatever. Fuck yeah. up my kids. Yeah. And um, the biggest company out there uh, offered me, like, they were doing, like, a new website for this magazine. You know, they ventured on, into website. And they're like, okay, we want you to do four videos and four picture sets. And at the time, I was living in New York. It was going to be two hours driving one way. Mm-hmm. And I was like, can you get me a driver? No. And then they told me the price. And I thought it was $1,000 per hour, right? Mm-hmm. That's what was originally wrote to me in my contract. And I was cool with that. They're like, oh, we actually sent you the wrong contract. And then it was $1,000 flat for four pictures, four videos, driving, and me getting wardrobe. And all that. And I broke it down. I was like, so you're going to be paying me like 250 for that? You've got me fucked up. Like, I don't care who you are. If you're the fucking Pope, I don't care. Like, I'm not about to come shoot with you for $1,000 and do all of that. And they were just flabbergasted that I said no to them. Nobody mm-hmm. says no to them. Yeah. Like, anyone. Like, everybody wants that little bunny logo. They want to be that girl. They want to be associated with them like i don't want to be your all-star i don't want to be your your girl of the month and you're going to be treating me like shit like if you don't have a budget to pay for me then don't fucking offer me shit like i'll shoot the pictures myself yeah and i was the person who came up with the concept to shoot anyways it's like so what is going on and it was hilarious because right after that i started seeing like some of the biggest girls like shooting and and being the girl of the month and i'm like hope it was worth it it's funny because when I was working for them, it was less than that. Dude, I was just like. The rate was less than that. I, I offered them. I was like, would y'all like me to be on y'all's board? Because I think that you could have something beautiful here if you really started valuing the people that you're trying to work with. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to toot my horn, but everything that I do gets views. Like, mm-hmm. I've been like the top on Pornhub when, even when I was not even shooting porn. Mm-hmm. It's like, I know I can make the money by myself. Like mm-hmm. I could open my own clip store and shoot this shit. I could hire out my own photographer. So that's what I started doing. Mm-hmm. I hired out my own photographer, hired out my own, like bought my own sets and did all those things and then started using OnlyFans and boom. like. And it's so different now, you know, like you have those tools that you can do that and that never existed before. I know. That's crazy. And I never even cammed before. Ever. So then yeah. I started camming and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like, it's amazing like how the industry has changed so much in favor of the performers, which I think is a great thing. Um, so I want to go back to like talks about consent. Um, were there any the, – the Twitter thread when people were sending you stories. Right. Were there any like common themes or even people that you saw across the stories that you were getting? Oh, yeah. Uh, like – People, the main names were being mentioned by like five to ten different girls. Yeah. When most of these girls had like experiences on set 
But a lot of these girls, stuff was happening at model houses or at parties with these people. Yeah. And it was, like, the same narrative. And, like, I doubt that these people just all of a sudden got together one day and were like, I'm going to make up these stories about this person. Yeah, like, it's like when what? there's when there's that number of – when there's smoke, there's fire. It's right, hard exactly. to – exactly. And uh, it was really eye-opening, to say the least. What do you say to people who say that these things are bound to happen to people who have chosen to do sex work? My grandma said that to me the day that I told her what was happening. Like once it blew up, when I woke up and I saw that it had had, like it tells you the insights, 1.2 million views. I was like, ooh, whoa. Yeah. I didn't expect that, right? Right. Told my grandma, she's like, well, what do you expect like when you're doing that? And I was like, well, I don't expect that. Like this is about taking power of your body. This is about owning your sexuality this is about creating art with people who want to do the same thing as you mm-hmm. like it's all about consent yeah you know that's what makes it beautiful yeah like if you want to do bondage if you want to do this if you want to do that like usually those people you know should be there on common things like we're here for business we're here to create beautiful art we're here to just like explore our bodies and share with the world, you know, new ways to do things. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, well, you know. Yeah. So I pretty much would just tell those people, like, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> That's a good, like, very concise answer. Yeah, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> like, do you, do you not consent when you go out on dates? Like, <clears throat> it's normally just you don't. You don't yes, usually say, hey, don't. do you want to do this? Yeah. It's more like we're going off each other's energy, but it's different on set. Yeah. We're not here to date, you know? How would you describe true consent on a porn set? I think true consent would be private conversations beforehand. Um, yes, no list that are So private out. conversations between just the performers that the director is not party to? No, or? the director and a um, PA should be there. Okay. But the other talent shouldn't be there. No one else should be there. Got you. Okay, so when you say private conversations, you mean you actually mean without the talent. Yeah, I gotcha. think that the producer and whoever that porn star's assistant is of the day, because mm-hmm. that's going to be the person to vindicate for them and to say, hey, we're going, we need to take a break or something if they see something happening. Right. If the performer isn't able to speak up when it's happening, because sometimes right. it happens. So I would think that it should be like producer, PA, and the star in a room privately with a yes, no list, go over the things that they're okay with, what they're not okay with. Then with the other performer or performers, Mm -hmm. then a group conversation Mm -hmm. where they all sit there and they don't have to read off the list. They don't have to say, Oh, this person doesn't want that. It's just in this set, we're not going to do any, this, this, and this, and this combined all the no's and all this is okay. Mm -hmm. And just make it to where it's a collectively, Spoken on that way, nobody feels like they're being judged. Nobody feels like they have to, you know, be extreme, you know, or they might feel guilted and saying, oh, actually, I might be okay with that when they're not, you know, and then having that conversation between the PAs, knowing like we're going to stick by what our people say. And if the producer starts to forget or if the performers start to forget, we're going to stop in, cut, like, you know, Mm -hmm. and talk about it again and then start. You bring up a good point, which actually I hadn't thought about um, and which we weren't putting into practice too much was the private conversation with each performer beforehand. I mean, I always – I mean, the TA was always there to talk to them and and I think like – I guess we 
you know, hope that we were encouraging a space where they could say what they were okay with. And if there was something that was on the list that they didn't want to do, but they didn't want the other performer to know that. Um, I mean, we'd always go over the list together with the other performer, but I didn't think about actually having a private conversation with the performer beforehand. Yeah, you might feel pressure. No, that totally makes sense now. Like if one girl's like, if, say I'm doing a girl, girl, right? Yeah. And... Or say it's someone else, someone who doesn't have as big of a name, someone who hasn't shot. Yeah, maybe you're working with a big name, someone that you really admire. And you hear them saying yes, yes, yes to all yeah. these things. And like, oh, I have to say yes so I can be like this person. Right, right. Yeah, She's totally. okay with it. Then maybe I'm just tripping. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, same thing. Like, if you're on set and you're doing a boy, girl, girl, and the boy and the girl are like all yeses, and then you're like, fuck, I have like so many no's. I don't want to be the square. I don't want to be the vanilla. Yeah. I don't want them to like think that the scene isn't going to have enough energy or like something because I don't want to do this. Yeah. You know? Or like if you're saying something and then they might like, <laughs> you don't like that? Or you yeah. know, like, what's wrong with you? Well, oh, I love that. You know, mm-hmm. that's happened to me on set before. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be treated that way. You yeah. know what I mean? It triggers me to have bad thoughts or something like that. Yeah. You know? Um, and then someone might think that that's like, funny like how could you be important how could you do this like mm-hmm. type of energy yeah no that makes a lot of sense so that's actually a really good point i'm gonna i'm gonna keep that in mind thank you leah <laughs> so what ultimately made you decide to actually come back into porn and i know that you shoot mostly for only fans but you're shooting like some stuff for some like smaller studios and stuff like that so what led you to make that decision so actually i was at a music video shoot with my husband um, for his music and him and his manager, we were just, well, we were all just sitting in the living room after we had shot and just talking about like things that I had been experiencing. So like I was working in bartending and I had been like all the bars that I was working with, I was getting noticed. Right. Then like my bosses were like, Oh, we have Leah Gotti here, like working with us, blah, blah, blah. I was working for a rooftop company, and I was so – I loved it. Like, Mm -hmm. I was making great money, right? And then one day, I randomly got called into the office, and, like, we're transferring you. And keep in mind, I was working at a pool, and I was dressed so cute. Like, Mm -hmm. I was having so much fun. Mm -hmm. And then I get transferred to working at a Mexican restaurant where I'm supposed to be wearing pants, a collared shirt, and, like – I don't fucking want to be a waitress. I don't want to yeah. be like, I like being a bottle girl. I like being a cocktail girl. Yeah. Um, I reached out to the owner of the hotel because that's who got me the job. And I was like, what is going on? Like, why is this happening to me? At the time, I didn't even have my ears pierced because um, I have really sensitive ears. So I didn't have earrings. And he came back and told me, oh, they said that you were taking your earrings out to fight somebody. And I was like, fucking what? I was like, I don't even have my ear. I have a phone in my video, like um, a video in my phone of after that conversation, like just me in tears, hysterically crying. Like, uh, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. You know, then come to find out, he finally figured out like the girl who was like the manager found pages of me, fake pages of me because I didn't have an Instagram of Leah Gotti. I just Mm -hmm. had an Instagram of Reagan. Mm -hmm. And... That's, like, when I found out there was, like, so many pages of me. People... Oh, like, fake accounts. Like, catfishing accounts. Catfishing accounts. Hundreds. And, like, people using old videos and, like, pretending to be me on live streams and, like, all these things, making money off me. And um, I was confiding into... 
my husband and his manager, like, I don't know why people hate me, like, for this. Like, I don't, like, I don't think that what I was doing was bad. Like, I don't understand why it is affecting me. I had been fired from lots of jobs, like, transferred randomly from lots of jobs, treated differently in lots of jobs, like, sexually harassed at work. Like, even when I was being a personal trainer at the gym, right, um, my boss pulled me into the office and shut the door turned his thing around. It was porn of me. Like, and he's, like, touching himself through his pants and, like, asking me about it. And I'm just like, what am I supposed to do right now? You know, so I'm just trying to get out of there safely Yeah, type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, like I was saying, like, I was still very not confident in who I was. Like, when I first started dating my husband, I told him, I was like, hey, please, like, this is who I am. I've done this. But please don't tell your friends that I'm a porn star. Or that I did porn, right? And he did, of course. Like, and he got, oh, dating, blah, blah, blah. Everybody treated me differently. Then every time I talked to somebody, like, they're talking to me about sex. They're talking to me yeah. about porn. How did he react when you told him? He, like, because you, did you meet him and he didn't know that Yeah, you... we just met as normal people. Okay. Um, He didn't care. He was like, well, you're an amazing person. Like, you know, you're doing your thing. You're raising your daughter. Like, you know, he was very good, like, and he helped me. He saw that I was, like, by myself, like, just trying to take care of my kid. Like, I was working, like, two jobs and just doing anything I can to just make her have a beautiful life, like, mm-hmm. to spoil her and all these things. And we were just talking, and this was, like, after a year of us dating, I think. And um, they were like, you have nothing to be ashamed of. And I think it was just having someone tell me that mm-hmm. like that you loved and you trusted that I love and knew. I trust and I knew yeah you know I really did trust them you know what I mean yeah look me in my face and say that doesn't make you less of a person like if you wanted to do that now like we would support you that must like, have been like an incredibly impactful I started moment. crying yeah I, I was like imagine. are you sure like I I I don't want my daughter to be taken away from me yeah I don't want I don't want her to hate me I don't want to make a choice that's bad like I I loved doing what I did like I never thought it was bad until people started telling me I was bad yeah you know like I enjoyed myself you know I was making really good money like I was having the time in my life until you know I fell on my face because of other things and they were just like you should just do it like you have nothing to be worried about like we're here for you and I was like okay so I just started a little OnlyFans and I did that for, like, a year before, like, I even showed my pussy on there. Mm-hmm. Like, I just titty pics. And mm-hmm. then I was like, okay, well, I'd be down to masturbate. Like, and I was like, do you care? Like, to my husband, I was like, would you think of me, like, any less if I were to, like, play with myself? He's like, hell no. Like, you know, do it. You're hot. You're beautiful. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so I was still working normal jobs, like, when I was doing my own mm-hmm. still bartending and stuff. And um, it eventually got to the point where I was, like, making a lot of money, like, just from my titties, like, 10 grand. Like, I was making that much. And I was like, I don't really need to, like, work anymore. Like, I can just be a mom for my daughter, you know? That's one of the amazing things about, like, doing sex work and having your own platform that I hear from so many mothers is that it gives them more opportunity to spend with their kids. 100%. I was working, like, 12 hours, four or five days a week. And, like... Um, it completely changed my life to where, like, I was able to, like, just go online for, like, two hours a day. 
and do that and that was it so then I was like okay well after I started doing the solos I was like okay I'm gonna pay because remember I told you that that company offered me a thousand dollars I was like thousand dollars I was like fuck it I'll just pay someone a thousand dollars to shoot me that way mm-hmm. and that doubled my income when mm-hmm. I started doing the really glamorous things and mm-hmm. I was like putting the money into the Airbnbs and like making my content like content mm-hmm. like from 10 to like 20k a month and it's cool too that you get to like come up with your own concepts and yeah. execute your own vision right Dude, you never I, got to do that before. never and I have like a billion ideas a day like my yeah. mind is constantly going yeah 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 and so that was crazy and then I was like you know I don't want to shoot with guys but I love girls mm-hmm. and I love shooting girl girl I want to shoot some girl girl but I only want to shoot it with companies who've always treated me amazing mm-hmm. you know what I mean so like I was reaching out to like Jackie St. James and I reached out to a, another company who I thought always had my best interest at heart and then fucking found out they don't <laughs> you know and um yeah so it's just been very selective with like who I'm working with mm-hmm. and like the, the talent that I want to work with mm-hmm. and just like coming up with ideas that I think like serve me and like are true with me like creating those boundaries like I won't do any, like, sibling play or parent play because that affects me mentally. Yeah. Like, and I never realized it did. Yeah. You know, but I played into scenarios that fit into my abuse that I had as a kid. Yeah. And I was like, I can't be a part of that anymore. Like, because when I'm playing that role, it kind of, like, takes me back. Yeah. Into those minds. Yeah. No, you got to make sure that you got to take care of your mental health first because that's, you know. Yeah. You got your kids and everything. All right, so I have some questions for my Patreon members, a couple of them for you. Um, So let me pull that up. Okay. Uh, So Michael Lee says, Hi, Leah. Since you called out your abuser on social media two months ago, do you think bringing it up on social media was the right or wrong thing to do? Do you think the industry should have support groups talking about their traumatic experiences on set? Yes, I'm a big fan of the business, and I always want to help and support female performers with traumatic experiences or just mental health issues. I don't regret it at all. I think it was the space that has the most eyes. So I think it was the right space. Mm -hmm. I think it was the right time. Like, it was after the Me Too movement. I think kind of, like, set the tone that, okay, well, we're going to talk about it uh, no matter what the consequences could be, right? Yeah. I think I was just like, if you want to take me there, take me there. Like, I'm willing to put myself out there to help people see and help people feel heard. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that there should be, uh, like, community conversations. You know, like, when we have these big conventions, I would think it would be beneficial to actually have real conversations, like, about these types of things. And constantly, like, kind of, like, voting in new practices and, like, how we can improve just overall experiences for everyone. Like a consent workshop or something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. You know, we have pineapple support, and that's who I started getting my therapy through. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, gives you a discount for, like, 12 sessions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, more people should be, you know, able and talked to about getting therapy options because – what we are doing is really, you know, mentally tough. Like, you have to be mentally tough. You have to be able to, like, navigate through the the webs and, like, not pay attention to comments that aren't serving you. And, you know, 
there's going to always be people out there talking shit. And yeah, there's a lot of stigma around the yeah, industry. Whatever, you know, some people have a great time, but a lot of us get hate. A lot of us get shunned from families. A lot of us don't have like uh, people that you can talk to, people mm-hmm. that you can, you know, you can rely on to give you honest, non-biased, you know, feedback. So creating a place for us to have that. Yeah. I think it's important. Maybe even like I was thinking about creating like a website and then having like an odd number of people, right? And then like some people could like submit their claims of abuse because we have these like, I don't know what you call them, unions, but they don't really do anything, okay? Yeah. Um, send it in and then all of us vote. Like if we agree, we'll do our research. And then if we do, then that's a list. And we send these lists to the people. And if then if they are continuing to not only work with these abusers, that could be illegal. Mm-hmm. You know, some kind of like thing like that I think would be cool. Or just like a form to where people can just like openly talk without. Yeah. So there's like some accountability. Yeah. With no names. Yeah. Like completely anonymous. Yeah. With, with ways to type it. You yeah. You know what I mean? Since you mentioned pineapple support, I just want to let our listeners know if they're interested. It's a nonprofit organization that provides mental health resources for sex workers. So if you want to support them, um, you can donate at pineapplesupport.org. They're a really important resource for our industry. I've done some live streams where I've donated the proceeds to them. So um, if you're feeling like you want to do something good for the world and bring yourself some good karma, Go to pineapplesupport.org and donate. Okay, I have one more question for you. This is a much easier question um, to answer. Hugo wants to know how you stay fit, Pilates, yoga, or running? And I actually know what the answer is, and I think it ties in so perfectly with your personality. (laughs) So I do a little mixture of a lot of things. Uh, My husband has an athletic club that focuses on, like, race placement and just – Fitness overall, but when you say race placement, you mean running. Running, yes, yes. Just running. To make sure people knew. Um, but the race is against yourself. You're never competing against other people. Mm-hmm. That's just like how we try and make our mind. Mm-hmm. But recently, I've been boxing because I am going to be professionally fighting this summer. Woo! Did that is like. That's so hot, and it's so you're so you have such like a feisty personality. What like a great outlet for you, and also like how fun I did. We were talking when we were shooting earlier, and I did boxing for five years at Box and Burn, and I loved it. Like changed my life, and then unfortunately I got an injury, and it was difficult for me right. to go back. But it like it changed my mind around exercise, like everything. I loved it so much. So tell us a little bit more about your boxing journey. So I used to wrestle in college. We talked about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always been very aggressive, <laughs> like always, like street fights, all fights. Like Taking your earrings out. Taking my fake earrings out. Like I'll beat a bitch up. I'll beat a man up. I don't care. Type of energy all the time, right? And I love, like, I love challenges. I like it when people, like, look at me and they're like, oh, you couldn't do anything. And then I'm like, boom, baby. You know, mm-hmm. so like one of my friends, Minicon, he is an influencer and he's a boxer. He he fights with Misfits Boxing. Mm-hmm. I'm represented by a goat. And um, yeah, they just asked me, hey, would you be down to do some fights? And I was like, fuck yeah. So then I started, I got a, I got a trainer, um, Stoic Boxing, Mateo, and I have Tiffany, who are, like, training me five days a week, two hours a week. I mean, five days a week for two hours a day. 
And it is literally like, that's better than therapy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like I get to get aggression out. My husband is coming with me, like teaching me my mitts. And like I told you, I don't really have like any family in with me. So his wife and him have like basically adopted us. Like they have kids, like our kids play with each other. We spent Easter together. Like it's just really awesome. Like so with boxing, I've found like my little community, like my little like, ooh, you know, yeah. Like, we're doing it. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you know where you're going to be fighting? Like, do you have a date yet? Or I have like a that? date, but I can't say it yet until we have it finalized. But okay. it is. This but are you going to like announce it? Oh, on I'm going to announce it. Yes. So everybody can. It'll be in America, and I'm going to, and it'll be this summer, and it will be on pay per view. So if you can't come to the actual fight, you'll be able to watch it. Oh my god, how exciting! It's going to be so cool. There's going to be like a week long media. You know, I'm going to have to do like open workouts, like. Talk shit to the person. Like. I was gonna say, are you gonna do that thing at the beginning where you're like both there and you like yell at yeah. each other? Oh my god, I want to see know, that. But you know, like that, whoever my opponent is, better not try any funny shit because I am not one to keep it cool. <laughs> I'll be nice until you're not nice to me. <laughs> like, no, I've been watching some of them and I'm getting nervous. I'm like, there was one where like this girl like threw water on the other girl. I was like, better not be me. You're gonna end up on the floor. In start two the. Seconds. You're gonna like, start the fight early. I hope you got security right there. And I don't know. I'm pretty smart, so I probably wouldn't react immediately. I'd probably wait till everything's calm and we're just like <laughs> right there. To disarm them. Yeah, like whoops, accidentally fucking punched her in the face already. <laughs> oh my god. But I I love it. I think it's gonna be epic. Like <laughs> I love fighting. <laughs> yeah, fun. I bet. All right. Well, I cannot wait to see you fight. I'm definitely going to be watching and, be and cheering Gotti. for you. Yes. Team Gotti. Oh, my God. Are you going to make shirts? Yeah, I'm going to make shirts. Oh. <laughs> I'll send you some. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. Send me a little, like, baby one for my daughter. I will. I will. I will. I'll send you one for everybody. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's been such a pleasure. And I'm sorry for all, like, the traumatic experiences that you've had. But hey, it seems like you're really, like – It's a part of it. You know, and it feels like you're really using that to help other people. And I think that that's the best thing that we can do with, like, the bad experiences that we have. If we can turn it into something Some powerful. positive. Yeah, yeah powerful. like, the, the negative things, ultimately, they just make you better. Like, yeah. you know, they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. Like, I didn't really believe that until this year. Well, yeah. yeah. Until, like, I started my healing journey. Yeah. But it is really cool to just kind of, like, flip that switch. Yeah. Like, hey, this shit happened, but it's okay. Because it won't happen again. And if it does happen again, I am equipped with skills to process it in a better way. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Yeah, you can find more of me at moreleahplease.com. My Instagram and my Twitter are at loveleahgotti. And my TikTok is Lee. Perfect. And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Twitter and on Instagram. Make sure that you go check out our socials because we did a really amazing shoot together um, earlier this week. And I'm Epic. very excited. I'm still waiting on to get the film back. I know. I'm like, ah! to see it. Like fingers and toes and legs crossed. I know. I know. I shot her on a Super 8 camera for my first time. So waiting on that. So really excited when that comes out. And I'll be posting a couple of previews on my Patreon where you can also – Watch these interviews streamed live and get other bonus content. That's patreon.com slash Unfiltered. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, make sure that you like and subscribe. If you're listening to it on the audio podcast, please go ahead and rate my podcast. You can go to ratemypodcast.com slash HRU and, um, you know, leave your review there and your five stars, which, of course, like I deserve five no less stars. than that. <laughs>
<laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Your support means the world to me. A great way to show your love is to rate and review my show. And an easy way to do that is to go to ratethispodcast.com slash HRU and you'll be directed to the various podcast apps your device supports and then led to where you can leave your review. And if you could afford to financially support this podcast, you can do so for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com Holly Randall Unfiltered. This is where you'll get access to the live streams of my interviews, bonus Q&As with my guests, access to my fine art photography and behind the scenes of my shoots, free memberships to my not safe for work website, hollyrandall.com, merchandise such as stickers, mugs, and hoodies, and so much more. You can watch the video versions of these podcasts at my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. Join us every Sunday evening for episode premieres where you can chat live with myself and other HRU fans as we watch the newest release together. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. All of my social media links are at hollylinks.com.